This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Wednesday, October 3rd, 2007. I'm Caleb Brown. When businesses suddenly raise prices, is it gouging? And when they charge too little, are they really predatory in their pricing? Edwin Rockefeller's new book, The Antitrust Religion, says many of the terms thrown around in antitrust law have very little meaning. The book is published by the Cato Institute. Terms get thrown around in antitrust law, including predatory pricing and predatory bidding. Now, for free marketeers, these terms are code for vigorous competition for services and goods and customers. How do these ideas maintain currency in the practice of antitrust law? Well, the term, these terms with the, with the word predatory in them have an emotional appeal to people who feel that business, they are being preyed upon, that they are somehow being uh, forced to take loans which are too generous or forced to buy things which are too cheap or forced to buy things which are too expensive. So the terms live on uh, even though... Uh, there's no real way to define them. The notion is uh, throughout the uh, antitrust world survives that it's somehow possible for some greedy business unit to sell things so cheaply for a while that all its competitors will be run out of business and then it will be able to raise the price as high as it wants and get all that money back. Uh, if you think about it, uh, it seems to me it's a preposterous notion anyway, but there you have it. There is a modern parallel that you draw, price gouging, which is a case where instead of having products priced too low for their purchase, the products are priced too high and that there is a conspiracy there as well. The parallel in my mind, uh, and it's not precise, but the parallel between price gouging and predatory pricing is this, that price gouging is a phenomenon that people think is happening when something in the business world they don't like is happening. They put pressure on politicians to pass a law against it. I think that's what happened with the Sherman Act in 1890, and that's what's happening now in some places with laws against predatory pricing. Now, these are some pretty complicated issues quite often for juries to grapple with. How are they instructed in how to, how to deal with these terms and deal with these issues? In my way of looking at this little part of the world, it's not awfully complicated. The, the problem is, um, and, and the direct answer to your question is, the American Bar Association section of antitrust law has a nice little volume of uh, model jury instructions. The judge that has to handle one of these cases gets that volume, and it gives them some forms to read things to the jury when one of these uh, antitrust issues uh, comes up. But those model instructions are simply a restatement of legal and economic conclusions 
and cannot be uh, judged by our supposed system of ascertaining the facts, proving them through sworn witnesses or documents, and then stating a law, a legal rule, and applying that rule to those facts and reaching a conclusion as to whether the defendant is guilty of anything or should pay somebody else money. The, the antitrust conclusions that the jury is being asked or forced to uh, reach involve economic theories, things like markets, market power, barriers to entry, and those concepts are only theoretical and have no immediate uh, reference in facts. So the jury, it's impossible to instruct the jury uh, in any way similar to what our legal system is supposed to be doing. The result is uh, that the results are completely unpredictable. And what happens in many cases is uh, that uh, each side gets its own economist or team of economists, and uh, one, side, one bunch of economists says that the plaintiff should win, and the other bunch says the defendant should win, and the jury and the judge uh, have no idea how to decide. So they are, and I quote in my little book, uh, one of the uh, chairman of the section of antitrust law, who is a very experienced litigator, I believe, uh, says that in most cases the economists just cancel each other out. So the jury is left to decide uh, on instructions which it can't understand, and nobody really can, because there isn't any understanding uh, of these concepts. They, they decide on the basis of, does somebody have more money than somebody else, or do we not like this guy or that guy, or however one decides. Antitrust law as applied to these corporations that might like to merge or might like to uh, change their organization somehow. Is this a costly thing, not just to them, but to consumers as well? Uh, interesting thing to me and the thing that influenced me most was a study by a man named Robert Crandall and a colleague of his named Winston, I think. They attempted to look at all of the economic writings and anything they could get hold of that attempted to evaluate what resulted or what consumer welfare was advanced by the whole hundred years or more of antitrust policy, they referred to it. And their conclusion was that there isn't any evidence that uh, any of this ever did any good for anybody. Uh, how much it costs, so uh, one can at least on the surface conclude 
that if there's no reason to, um, that it does any good, spending anything on it is too much. Edwin Rockefeller is author of The Antitrust Religion. This is the Cato Daily Podcast. Please consider a donation to the work of the Cato Institute. You may donate online at our website, cato.org.